You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey everyone, and welcome to another interesting episode of the Ask Drone You news show. Joining me as always, he might have even been seen at LAX flying in a jetpack, or that could have been an RC plane made to look like Superman. You also know him as the Flying Dutchman. Hiya, how are you doing? Pretty good, man. I wish, I wish. Flying around the 6,000 feet over LAX, that must have been a blast. <laughs> I think you got a solid uh, airtight alibi, so I thought that that would be a fun thing to say uh, on the show. But a bunch of people texted me that they genuinely believe it is an RC plane made to look like Superman. And I, I mean, I've seen pictures, seriously. So I would really, really wonder what is going on at LAX. But to start our new show, Haya, we actually have a kind of a continuance from what we were talking about last week. And if many of you remember, we mentioned the Twitter battle, the keyboard warriors, the two manufacturers going head to head at a time when, well, the industry is quite divided. It doesn't seem like it's really helping anyone. Well, in this next piece of news, it seems like one of those manufacturers doubled down on keyboard warrior or something much worse. Haya, what do you have? Yeah, Skydio. I mean, uh, I remember when I first saw the uh, Skydio Air 1 fly uh, pretty much all autonomously, I was like blown away. I mean, it was amazing to see that drone fly. I had one myself for a week or so to try out. Uh, and then when the Skydio 2 came out, I was even more excited thinking, hey, we get now a better drone, smaller, less expensive and more capable. However, um, it's not all a success story because I think Skydio kind of got caught up in their own success, if you will. I mean, uh, I think a lot of people will know that uh, those guys and girls who play their orders early had to wait for quite some time on their drone and even now people are still waiting for their drones when skydio first started promoting their r1 drone the r1 they had a video that they posted on social media it was a video of a skydio drone filming somebody rollerblading in uh, what was supposed to be iceland but then turned out to be yellowstone national park now skydio didn't know that at the time but they quickly of course took that video down because you can't fly drones in a national park and if you want to promote your company and and your new brand and of course that's not the way to go in the drone industry uh, they took that video down real quick and they said we encourage our people to fly responsibly and this is kind of where I want to start this story because flying responsibly and flying safely with your drones means pretty much you're going to be following the FAA rules and guidelines for flying drones and if you look closely at those rules uh, they basically say that you cannot have a fully autonomous flying drone you have to have a pilot at the controls to intervene in case you run into other manned aviation or something else happens you at all times need to be able to take control of your aircraft it's basically what the rules are saying however if you look at the skydio website you'll see that basically their their strongest selling point for this drone the skydio 2 is the fact that it flies itself and even their marketing language is supporting that saying things like it immediately turns both consumers and enterprise users into expert drone pilots and they also say things like, it does the flying, you do the doing. If you look at their video, it says no pilot. So going back to what Adam Bry was saying earlier, that they want to encourage people to fly responsibly and safely, all their marketing is basically going the opposite direction.
interaction. And it has been like this for, for quite some time. I know you and I spoke about it, uh, both in previous shows and also offline. However, if you go to this week and you look at the drone deploy conference that was online and you look at some of the slides that were presented by Skydio, is basically the message is that Skydio is not your friend if you are a part 107 uh, drone pilot. Basically, they want to eliminate the drone pilots because drone pilots are the most expensive part of a drone program. Uh, Skydio argues that if you take the drone pilot out of the equation, you can eliminate at least 65% of your expenses. Also, drone pilots are responsible for most of the crashes, arguing that an autonomous flying drone won't crash and is able to do a better job. Of course, never mind that drone pilots also come with things like common sense and experience and uh, uh, other things that might matter in a situation like that. And I think one of the slides that struck me most was from a, a U.S. railway company that says, we want to train 100 drone pilots in 2020. We want to train 200 drone pilots in 2021. And by 2022, we want to train zero drone pilots. Exactly, zero drone pilots, meaning by then they will expect all the drones to fully fly autonomous and making the need for, for drone pilots basically uh, no longer important. It goes against a lot of common sense. It goes against a lot of things that you and I uh, have opinions about. Also, um, Skydio argues that by having these kind of drones, one pilot will be able to fly multiple drones at once. And again, that's an example of something that goes directly against the rules from the FAA. And I'll quote this for you. The FAA says that a person cannot act as a remote pilot in command in the operation of more than one small unmanned aircraft. And then they even continue saying, thus this rule does not allow a person to use automation to simultaneously operate more than one small aircraft. So in two ways, they explain exactly that this is the kind of stuff that is not allowed under the current rules. Meanwhile, Skydio keeps promoting this. And I think that's important to point out. So it seems like Skydio is promoting something that's completely illegal. And it seems like the railroad company that you mentioned fundamentally doesn't understand uh, airspace law which, again, is just another example, Haya, of how these people who have a seat at the table have no practical experience, let alone knowledge. And yet yeah. the myopia from the engineers is astonishing. I mean, I had done an interview with Adam, but I decided not to publish it because I thought it wasn't in his best interest. There were some things that were just said. I was like, yeah, I don't think that that looks very good, buddy. Uh, because one of the examples is going over site scan. And he's talking about how pilots, you know, whenever they go to a mapping mission or something and they don't know the altitudes of the obstacles. And I looked at him. I'm like, so you don't know what MOCA is? Minimum obstacle clearance altitude, how to discover it, how to measure it. And he's like, yeah, it's not important because we're going to fly, you know, so close. And we were kind of going over how they were going to get over the linear rolling shutter sensor and the super wide angle cameras and how that adds distortion into mapping. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, Paul, it's well, it's simple. You know, we're just going to fly closer. And it was funny because Rob overheard that interview and he's like, wait a minute, the drones are going to fly closer. Doesn't that kind of kill the efficiency? Because... Flying closer, it's going to take a lot more time to do the same job. And uh, as we know from linear rolling shutter drones, taking about double the time to acquire and double the time to process imagery, it was one of those things that you just kind of like scratched your head and said, have you really actually gone out and never mapped anything before? But the fact that Skydio is doing this, 
the fact that the regulators are showcasing their lack of knowledge, I think this is just another reminder, Haya, of how remote ID is set up to fail. When these same people are sitting at the table providing information that's just simply not true. And I mean, the FAA, it seems like, is so off in la-la land, they're not even realizing it either. And, you know, with the delay of the NDAA, we're going to get remote ID this year, and Skydio is trying to push fully autonomous vehicles. It just makes you wonder, you know, how is flyaways going to happen? How, you know, who's going to be responsible in the case of an accident? Who's going to insure that? Every insurance company says you have to be following FAA guidelines. So uh. if the guidelines state that there has to be a pilot in the case of an emergency to seek and avoid other aircraft, well, then it seems like anyone flying Skydio autonomously would be instantly breaking the law. And if anything happened, they would be liable. Uh, this is also uh. another reason I reached out to the Drone U community this week to ask people, have any of you tried the Skydio drone deploy integration? Uh, because it's something that I'm actually excited about to try uh, they provided us with beta. I just haven't really gotten it to work right. Uh, and two people had flyaways because essentially the Skydio doesn't have a GPS only mode. So the SDK between drone deploy and Skydio is really having some issues. And when they say autonomous drones don't crash, what a crock of crap, my friend, because those drones what, what are they doing, right? They're measuring the environment around them, which means that they're limited in speed, they're limited in computing power to see what is around them in real time. If there's high reflectivity, guess what? It's not going to work. You know, if there are certain environments like over the water, the drone is just going to fall right into the water because it's measuring reflection now. And so this is also why we did the video with Skydio in Las Vegas, uh, riding skateboards, not doing what I'm known for, which is surfing and wakeboarding. So, I mean, I think these are great examples, but um, I hope Skydio gets their stuff together, Haya. I hope so too, and I think it's uh, it's important to point out here as well is that and then, well before I go there, let me let me first uh, for the record, I'm pro American drone companies. I'm uh, in favor of developing the drone industry in the United States. I also think that Skydio, apart from this section, is otherwise a great company with a great product, and I wish them a lot of success. But at the same time, I can imagine with Skydio having so much money that came in from uh, investors that they must have somebody breathing down their neck basically to push them and to to keep pushing the envelope and uh, progress the company. And I think you kind of see that with the Skydio S2 that they came out with. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty awesome drone in, in definitely in certain regards. Uh, but then when it comes to delivering these drones to customers, they've had a massive backlog. Now, of course, part of that has to do with the coronavirus. So we're not going to hold that against them. But right now, I think people that ordered as of June of this year are hopeful to get their drones by the end of this year. And these are Skydio's uh, own words. So they're basically half a year uh, behind in delivering their customers' orders. At the same time, they've made a big push in developing a new drone, the X2, for commercial and for defense or government customers. And they're pushing that part of the business as well. And you wonder, like sometimes when, when small companies that have a successful product and they get a lot of investments uh, coming in, a lot of funding coming in, they are being pushed hard to grow and to develop the business. And I think sometimes you have to what, walk before you can run. It seems like Skydio might already be running and now they're supposed to be jumping over hurdles at the same time. And it, I think it might just all be a little bit uh, too much and too fast, if you if you ask me. A history lesson here, Haya. We remember that um, 3DR had done the same thing, really, 
when they came out with the solo. You know, the solo came out. Yeah. It was supposed to be so much better. It actually flew. I liked the way it flew. The transmission distance was rather limited. But then it took six months for the gimbal to come out. You know, one manufacturing hiccup really sunk the whole company and the solo line. And I and I just want to say, uh, to reiterate your point, look, we're pro-American as well. But doesn't this show that we cannot make a switch from Chinese drones to American drones? Because at least not right now. We can't do a hard switch. We've got to have some sort of transition time so that American manufacturers can actually scale. They can actually produce these aircraft at the levels that we need them to. And frankly, I just, I'm not, I'm not seeing that. And I feel like, and what I'm worried about is that Skydio is making the same mistakes as 3DR. And it seems like maybe Adam, uh, Adam Bree and uh, uh, Mr. Anderson should sit down for some tea and learn from each other. That might be, that might not be a bad idea. I, I also think it would be good to move away from the whole country of origin discussion. Like in the end, it shouldn't matter if a drone is assembled or built or manufactured in China, France or, or the US or England or wherever. I think if we say that drones need to be safe and they shouldn't be able to spy, then we need to come up with certain standards and requirements that any drone should be able to meet, uh, regardless of where they come from. You bring up a really good point, actually. Why don't we create risk-based standards, right? Let's talk about the technology that can actually cause the problems and how do we limit that, right? Because then you're not going after a particular manufacturer or a particular country. It doesn't look political, right? So wait a minute. Hold on. That's that's an important point here. The FAA is really known for risk-based performance standards. Does that not show that maybe remote ID was not actually written by the FAA, that it was written by some guy from Delta who is being pushed by DHS and security to say, hey, look, we have a security problem and we got to solve it. And these guys aren't smart enough to know, hey, in order to have a security problem, you got to have Internet. Let's just cut the Internet and no problem. I don't know. Might be, and then you have the telecommunication companies like AT&T and Verizon who are looking to grow their business, so they want to jump on this bandwagon too, it seems. Yeah, and they all want to do what's cool, but I actually love that because what we're learning is how smart these tech companies really are. They're not that smart. It shows the people that they're choosing. They don't know what they're talking about. So, Haya, you know what that means? It means when we do interviews with these companies – Oftentimes, you know, they're like, hey, don't light us up. And it's like, I'm not going to light you up if you knew your your product and how it works. <laughs> I'm sorry that you're a mid-level corporate manager who's never learned on their own. Anyway, Haya, that brings us to our next story. Unless I'm missing something here. Are we going to see a climax between Skydio and DJI? I mean, when you put out this article, did you see anything else? What I've seen in the past is that whenever uh, specifically Brendan Schulman would uh, would point things out or ask questions, Skydio was pretty aggressive. I think Skydio has been pretty aggressive in the marketing anyway, which I don't see as a bad thing. I mean, I, I like it when companies kind of push the envelope in that sense. There was a lot of tweeting going back and forth between DJI and Skydio. I have not seen that yet uh, in reaction to my tweets yesterday, maybe because they know it's true. I mean, I'm just presenting what's on their own website, so maybe that's hard to argue against for them. As they say in Germany, das ist nicht gut. Anyway, that brings us to our next piece of news, which involves uh, Skydio as well. As one of our uh, friendly drone influencers, who I thought had kind of moved on to other things, Casey Neistat gets his Skydio 2 a year after 
Well, it seems like all the other drone influencers. I mean, Haya, we did that video for Skydio, I want to say in September of 2019. And I was, I'm stunned that Casey got the drone as late as he did. I'm like, dude, your following is massive, man. Like, great job on the hustle too, by the way. You deserve all the credit. I was, I was stunned to see this, Haya. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it's a bit tongue-in-cheek, right? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure if, if Casey Neistat would have wanted to get a Skydio 2 drone to test, he probably would have been the first one in line to get one. So if he wanted to have a drone earlier, I think he would have had one. I think Casey was super active, of course, in the past, cranking out videos pretty much every single day. Then he slowed down and moved to Los Angeles, I believe. And I think since then, he kind of quieted down for some time and in that sense it kind of surprised me that all of a sudden he makes this video that's so dedicated to the Skydio drone out of the blue I mean it's not a new product anymore there's like a gazillion videos out there even though not everybody who wanted the Skydio 2 has one but there's a lot of videos out there so for for Casey Neistat to come out with a Skydio video seems kind of interesting this time uh, of year being a year later pretty much than, uh, than the launch of the product. And also he spoke quite a bit about the politics and China versus America and, and all that stuff, which I mean, Casey's known for not really following the FEA rules when it comes to flying drones. So it also makes you wonder why all of a sudden he would have an interest in that. Anyway, um, might not matter one bit. He flew the drone. He was super impressed, I think, with uh, with the autonomy and how that drone is able to fly and navigate the space around it. Although at the end, I think he also concluded that Skydio still needs some work in terms of polishing up the app, making uh, the drone perform a little better, a little less jerky at times. And he pointed out that for a pretty much all the cinematic footage that he uses in his videos. He typically uses a DJI drone. Um, I thought it was interesting uh, that he came out with this video out of the blue. I'm not sure why, but anyway, it's there. It was fun to watch. And the best part was that he did hold up his one finger as if he actually had to wait one year. So we used that as the main photo for this, uh, for this article. In our next piece of news, it looks like another manufacturer who recently came out in the news Autel has, well, some more news about their Autel Evo 2, adding new functionality. Haya, what's going on here? Yeah, somebody on Twitter found this video on Yoku, which seems to be the Chinese counterpart of uh, YouTube. It's a video that it, it really looks and feels like a professional video that would come straight from Autel Robotics. So I don't think this is a hoax or a, a video that was put together by somebody as a joke. Furthermore, the Autel Explorer app has had updates confirming the RTK functionality as well. So this for sure seems to be legit. Two new models, if you will, the Autel Evo 2 Pro, which is the 6K version, but now with RTK, real-time kinematics, and the Autel Evo 2 Dual 6 640T for 640 resolution thermal camera with RTK as well. Now, the entire video is basically in Chinese. So it seems that whatever they're launching and whenever they're launching is going to happen in China first before it would make its way over to the United States. So we're not quite sure when we're going to see it, but it seems clear that this is what they're working on and then getting ready to launch. It's not really well integrated, the RTK system. It's pretty much a module that goes on top and on the front of the drone and has two little thumb screws that you use to attach it to the drone. Of course, those screw holes aren't present in the Evo 2. So in that sense, it is a new model because they have to change that. It seems 
like a bit of an afterthought, but then again, you could argue the same thing for the DJI uh, P4, the Phantom 4 RTK, where it just kind of sits on top of the drone. That's not something you can take off, I believe. I think that's uh, that's fixed RTK to the uh, Phantom 4 body, but also that seems a bit of an afterthought. It's not really integrated in the design. Nonetheless, it's coming out, uh, two new drone models. We're not quite sure again when they're gonna arrive, but they're due to arrive, I think, fairly soon. Awesome. Hi. Well, thanks for uh, keeping us up to date on the Evo 2 RTK. It'll be interesting to see how the RTK really works. Is it getting corrections? Is it really RTK? Uh, you know, there's been a lot of hype around RTK units that drones that say that they're RTK, but they're not actually, you know, connecting to the N-Trip network. They're not actually getting corrections. So it's just a more accurate unit. But that's false advertising because real-time kinematic means that you are getting real-time corrections over a network that's provided you with an accurate position. Yes, Haya. If you if you were looking for an RTK drone right now, what, in, in your opinion, would be the best model that's currently available if there is one? Honestly, I would not buy an RTK drone um, because it limits your ability to map uh, certain things with certain deliverables. RTK drones are great for surveying. They're great for covering large areas. Um, but you still need ground control to make sure that there wasn't an issue with your compass, there wasn't an issue with interference uh, or corrections, the right geoid model, etc. And so, frankly, the workflow is a little bit more complex than what I'm using my drones for, for modeling and mapping. And really, because the P4 RTK didn't allow you to do the free flight mode that you can do say through Pix4D capture app. I never mm -hmm. bought one. Uh, I can buy uh, four Phantoms, a GPS unit and landing pads for the same price. And so for me, it yeah. didn't really make sense. Um, we do have an RTK M600, but that's also false advertising because it doesn't connect to the network. So it's not really RTK, you know? And, yeah. we're, and we're really seeing this hype everywhere. And I think it's important to, uh, to like, to communicate to people, if a drone is RTK, you're going to have to connect it to the internet, and the internet is going to have to connect to some sort of network. For example, Leica's SmartNet network that provides an N-trip connection and corrections on the connection to actually tell the unit where it is, right? Because essentially, the lateral positioning will be relatively accurate. It's always the elevation that's off some sort. And that's what RTK really does. It says, okay, I see that you're like right here. And I know based off of the 12A model, the geoid, that even though the drone thinks it's at 319 feet, you're at 316.457, 9456. Like, you know, so it's, uh, it's extremely accurate, but you need a conduit, again, internet, to get those corrections. Yeah. So you need a reference point, basically, that tells you exactly where you are. That's correct, which is another yeah. point that I missed, is that the N-Trip network is measuring your distance from the nearest Coors Tower. What is a Coors Tower? A continually operating reference station, pretty much exactly what you said, a reference point, right? So those are imperative to really get a smaller baseline distance from the unit to the course tower, mm -hmm. the shorter the distance, the more accurate the results. Isn't it also that that's very much dependent on the landscape? I mean, those uh, towers that send out those signals are much more effective, I think, in areas that are low-lying land, like let's say Florida, than they would be, let's say, in the Rockies? That is a perfect, yes, hi, a perfect example. Why? Visual line of sight, just like our remotes, right? Straight lines, rays, 
Think of Ray's. That's why Albuquerque is so great for surveying, even though I don't do any surveying here. But, you know, we have one tower on the top of the mountain and you can see the whole city from that thing. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, it definitely depends on where you are. Florida, like you mentioned, actually has a government sponsored cores network. So if anyone's in Florida and they're getting these new RTK drones, you have the easiest workflow possible. So let us know if it's truly RTK or not. But that brings us into our next piece of news. Hi, one of my favorite gimbals of all time. In fact, one of the most useful tools outside of owning a drone itself has been a Ronin S. I know you have watched me carry a 20 pound Uh, monopod with a Ronin S and a camera through CES and NAB and all these conferences. And you know how much I use it. And I love the Ronin S. Well, it looks like we might have some news as the Ronin S2. It's available. Is that right? Yeah, that is uh, for sure right. I mean, we knew this was coming. Uh, Plenty of pictures and things that already leaked. Uh, The naming is slightly different. It's not really the Ronin anymore. They call it the RS2 and the RSC2. Both are successors to the previous two models that came out. However, they seem to get the best of both worlds. I mean, if you look at the original RS, it was an awesome gimbal, but maybe too heavy for some people. If you look at the original RSC, it was much smaller, less expensive, but it missed some of the options and features that you had with the more expensive one. Now these uh, two new ones, they've come out at the same time. They overlap in many ways. Of course, the RS2 uh, uses more expensive things like carbon fiber, has stronger motors, has some additional features. However, the RSC2, if you're a run and gun type of person and you make videos, let's say for YouTube, that might actually be the better one for you because it still offers you almost all the same functionality, but it also allows you to get into that underslung or that that briefcase grip, if you will. So you can easily fold the gimbal and then shoot for much lower. Both gimbals uh, are actually available from DJI as of right now. The RS2 is priced at $849. The RSC2 is available for $499. However, if you want all the goodies and the additional accessories, and we'll talk a little bit more about that as well, then the price goes up. The RS2 combo, Pro Combo, is priced at $999 and the DJI RSC2 Pro Combo is priced at $739. So one of the features of the DJI RSC2 is the fact that it actually folds. So you can go from a upright gimbal position, if you will, folding it into a luggage position where you get those low shots. Uh, that's a feature that is, uh, it's also available in the RS2, but then you have to relocate the grip. So there's a little bit more work involved. Going into pricing, the Pro Combo package includes things like a phone holder, a focus motor, a dedicated carry in case and some more accessories, but the most important part is the Raven Eye image transmitter or wireless image transmitter. Raven Eye is a little device that you attach to the gimbal and it allows you to position the gimbal and the camera in one location and then basically wirelessly real time transmit the video feed to somebody else who's looking on an iPad or an iPhone or some other smart tablet. And I think that opens up a whole new world of possibilities and it's something that DJI is definitely promoting is that these gimbals are far more versatile so we've seen shots where people use these on the cars of course you can uh, you can handheld them as well so I, I just actually got mine here yesterday so I haven't even unboxed it yet but uh, this is what I'll be trying out um, I think they 
made progress pretty much in any area. I mean, all the things I've heard from people complaining or not complaining, but saying, hey, for the next iteration, we would like to see this, this and this. It seems that DJI really hit it out of the ballpark this time because I think most of those features are included. And I believe even right now, they're almost sold out, if I'm not mistaken. So these things seem to be selling really well. And it's not hard to see why, basically. Awesome. Hi. Well, thank you so much for bringing us uh, that news this week. There's a lot of, uh, it seems like, new equipment. Makes me wonder uh, what the environment is out there for all of this new equipment. But just want to say thanks again for joining me today, Haya. And thanks to all of you out there. Please don't forget to share the show. Help us out. And hit that subscribe button on YouTube if you want the deep insight, the information you just won't find other places. Why? Well, because the people either don't have the knowledge or the experience, which you will find here on the Ask Drone You News Show. So, Haya, thank you again. No problem. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll be back on the next show. That's going to do it for us today, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks again for joining us on the show. We'll see you next time. And thanks again for being a part of the Drone You community. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.